Hi, I'm your host, Bella Page, and welcome to the Post-Concussion Podcast, all about life after experiencing a concussion. Help us make the invisible injury become visible. The Post-Concussion Podcast is strictly an information podcast about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. It does not provide nor substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are simply intended to spark discussion about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Welcome to today's episode of the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Belle Page, and today's guest, Jamie Yuretsky. Jamie went to Delta S performance due to her daughter's struggles with a life-altering concussion that she sustained while playing soccer in 2011. After having tried many different types of therapies for her daughter and feeling hopeless, she stumbled upon functional neurology while searching online for help. After three months of work with a functional neurologist, her daughter went from being unable to live the life she wanted due to her many symptoms to moving on to college and living away from home. Jamie was a recruiter and executive search consultant for 25 years. While being a full-time caretaker to her daughter, Jamie became an avid activist in promoting concussion awareness and education. She has been a guest on numerous podcasts featured in several newspapers and magazine articles and written a chapter for the book Concussed, Sports-Related Head Injuries, Prevention, Coping, and Real Stories. Jamie and her daughter appeared in Overcoming TBI, a documentary about brain injuries. Jamie is the founder of Concussion Mom and the host of the Concussion Matters podcast. Jamie consults on return-to-learn protocols and speaks publicly about concussions and concussion safety management. She is a graduate of Salem State University and a certified brain fitness coach. She enjoys watching sports, cooking, and spending time with family and friends. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you for having me on. So to start, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and what made you interested in concussion awareness? Sure. In 2011, actually October 2011, my daughter was playing in a soccer game. She was not supposed to play that day because she had hurt her leg. And so she promised me she wouldn't play and it was pouring out. So I did not get there early like I usually do or did. And As I was driving there later, I got a call from one of her teammates that she had fallen and hit her head and she was on the sidelines. She seemed okay, but I should try to get there as soon as I could. So I was down the street, so it only took me a couple of minutes to get there. And then I got there and she was sitting on the sidelines and she usually would play a whole game and she looked okay, not great. And the athletic trainer came up to find me and he said, you know, she took a pretty good fall and... I evaluated her. I think she has a concussion and I think you need to take her to the doctor as soon as possible. So that was the beginning of the change of our lives. Yeah. And quite the change it can be. I do like that she promised that she wouldn't do it and she did it anyway, because that sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty competitive. So I shouldn't have been surprised. And it's crazy how much pain and things like that, when you're competitive, you can just block it out and you just have tunnel vision but the second you stop all that pain's there but while you're in the game like when I used to ride horses I never felt the pain while I was riding ever there was never once where I got a headache 
while I was on. But the second I'd get off, you'd be like, whoa, okay, I'm in a lot of pain. That's a very good point because that's your adrenaline. You're just running on adrenaline. And when you're an athlete and you have a very competitive nature, you have a lot of adrenaline and that's how you become good and, you know, why you're competitive. So I can understand that. Yeah, it has positive aspects and very negative ones in regards to concussions because you can hide it. So being able to hide it and then also be in pain before and after you do it is not a really healthy thing to do, but a very common thing with athletes. So what is your current role in relation to concussions? So once she got hurt, you know, I took her to the emergency room and I figured she'd be okay to go to school the next day. Of course, she didn't go back to school full time till the following year. So it was a week by week thing with her. And about three months in, after I had taken her to so many different kinds of therapies, which I am sure you can relate to, you know, you're willing to try anything, right? You know, 2011 was when concussions were starting to become more newsworthy. They weren't really talked about that much before then, and they still weren't like they are now. So I did a lot of research on my own to try to find things to help her. And one of my friends said to me, why aren't you blogging about this? And I was like, you know what? I don't know, maybe I should. So I started a blog and I, I remember sitting at my kitchen table and I said, well, I have to call it something. And I'm the mom to a kid with a concussion. So I'll just be concussion mom. So that's how it started. Yeah. Well, it's a good way for it to start. It kind of reminds me of how I started. I was trying to figure out how to help people. And it was my brother who went, well, you love podcasts and you don't stop talking ever. So why don't you start a podcast? And it took me a while to actually put it together. But that is what it took just someone mentioning, why don't you and that try anything is something that I went through and it was really difficult. And what sort of things did you try in the beginning? And where is she at now? So I was lucky that her pediatrician because she was 15 at the time, was very well-schooled in concussions. We had to go to her every week. She couldn't go to school from week to week until she was cleared. After a a couple of months, she said, you know what, it's time for you to move on and you have to go to a specialist. So we went to a neurosurgeon and then he evaluated her and, you know, he said no school. So we started going to craniosacral therapy. I took her to an herbalist. I took her to many, many, many different types of chiropractors. There's people that think a chiropractor just does a lot, a lot, right? People think they just adjust your back. It goes so much deeper than that. I took her to physical therapy. I took her to someone who did kinesiology and muscle memory. I took her to nutritionists. She went to speech and language pathology because she had absolutely no short-term memory. Gosh, so many other things. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but anytime I read anything, about anyone with a brain injury, I just went down that road. I took her to a massage therapist who specialized in a certain type of massage for brain injuries called Jin Shin Do. And the one thing that helped her the most was a particular type of chiropractor, which was functional neurology. Yeah, we've talked about functional neurology and we've had quite a few functional neurologists on the show, actually. And I like that you got well-schooled in concussions. It's something that my parents did themselves, but didn't have support elsewhere, really. I know I can't count how many doctor's appointments, but the only time they would ever talk to them was if they talked to them over me. Does that make sense? Like they would ask my mom how I really was when I would say I was fine kind of thing. And there was lots of those kinds of incidences. And 
when they told your daughter not to go to school, did she not go? Correct. She did not go. Okay. So she followed. See, I didn't do that. But she didn't have a choice. She was bedridden. So she didn't even go her way around my house. Yeah, it was probably a good decision. I went once a day for one class and I would rotate throughout the week. And then I was in bed for the other 20 hours a day. And that was only if I made it to the stairs. And I sometimes think I probably should have taken a break, but I'm not great at taking breaks. <laughs> and it takes a lot for me to like take a step back from something. But do you want to tell us what the emotions were when you went through that as a parent of a concussion survivor? Sure. Also, to your point about going to school and having to go home and rest, things that people don't realize that happen at school is walking on the floor. It's hard, right? And it, you can feel it right up from the bottom of your foot up into your head. And when the bell rings in between classes, all of that stuff, it really increases your symptoms. And people just think of it as that's what happens every day in life. You just walk down the hall or the bell rings. It's, you don't realize how it affects your head. No, And the lights, uh, the lights were a big problem for me. And not even just the loud noises, like the bell ringing, just conversation because I lost that ability to like block out the noise, right? You lose that ability to kind of focus. So instead of just hearing your teacher, you're hearing every whisper and everybody talking and every pen tapping and every chair rocking. So you get overstimulated really, really easily when you have a concussion. So like going into the cafeteria was a definite no, because it would just cause excruciating pain because all of my symptoms would just flare up even more when they were already about as bad as they could get at that time. Right. Yep. People don't realize it. No. And people didn't realize I was struggling a lot when I was at school either because I didn't really look like any different than anybody else there. I looked like a high school student. <laughs> yep. The invisible injury. Yeah, for sure. So those emotions as a parent, how was that? So in the beginning, I was okay because I did not know what was ahead of me. So I took it kind of day by day thinking, you know, oh, she'll be fine in a couple of days type of thing. And then I realized, okay, a couple of days, that's probably now going to be a couple of weeks. So it happened in October and she was supposed to get her license in December. And I'm thinking, okay, that could be our next hurdle, right? She can get her license in December and we'll take it from there. Well, of course she didn't get her license in December. And then, you know, there was like a prom type of a thing, little milestones like that. That would be my next thing. And she missed all of them. And after a while, it took a few months, but after a few months, I was like, you know what? I can't believe what's happening. She is missing out on her entire high school experience. And it's very upsetting. She's very athletic. She played four sports a year and she couldn't do any of them. So when you're in high school, your identity is you're an athlete, you're a student. She couldn't do anything. So she was home with me. She couldn't socialize because she couldn't use her computer or her phone because it upped her symptoms so badly. So it was very upsetting as a parent to watch your child go through this and see them miss out on all the fun that all of their friends were having. Yeah. I never thought of the didn't know what was coming side of it, but it's really important because I think that's what happens to a lot of us. That's what happened to me when I ignored it for eight months, but I kind of on the inside knew what was coming. But I don't think my parents realized that this was gonna, like it uprooted my whole entire life. And for me, it uprooted my life essentially forever. My whole entire life had to change course because of my multiple concussions. There was no end date. We still haven't hit that end date actually. And I think sometimes 
it's exhausting for parents too. And I remember feeling bad for them, even though I was the one that was ill. Like my mom, she was that like, how are you feeling kind of mom, you know, always checking in, always asking me in weird ways to try to get me to answer and not just say fine. And I know once in a while when I would say how bad I was feeling or when I really would crash, which at the beginning was very often, I could drive a little while after all of it started. And I know there was times where I would just call my mom from the hospital, which is probably so like if my child did that, I'd probably freak. But you drove yourself to the hospital? Yeah. If I had a really bad headache and I was like out doing things, I would just go to the hospital and I just call her like an hour later and be like, oh, by the way, I'm in the hospital or I have a few siblings and I text them, by the way, can someone tell mom or tell dad that I'm in the hospital? Because I don't really want to tell them again. And then they would do it for me. Usually my older sister would do it. And I put that on her too. Like that's a lot of things to deal with emotionally to have your little sister tell you that she's back in the hospital because she's in so much pain. But I'd be in so much pain, I couldn't function and I didn't know what else to do. Being at home with it, wasn't very fun. So if I went to the hospital for the first two years, I kept thinking maybe, maybe they'll come up with something (laughs) to get rid of this pain. And usually when I went, they could get rid of it temporarily, which is also why I went because stronger medications and things like that. And they would continue to do scans and I had issues breathing for a long time during all this and all these other things kind of went wrong. But I remember every time I would tell my mom how I was feeling, I could just see it like her face. She would hold really strong, but her eyes would just completely change instantly. Just knowing that her daughter was still struggling. Yep. I can relate. It's very upsetting. And it also affects the siblings. Like you said, their lives change too. Absolutely. And that's why I started the podcast. It's for a lot of those things because no one thought about my sisters, my brother, my parents while I was going through all this, but they went through it just as much as me. And Actually, an episode a few weeks ago, I talked about how, so I'm an adrenaline junkie and I went ice racing on dirt bikes and my little sister freaked out when I told her I was going, like so mad, so angry that I was risking getting a head injury. And I was talking about how I sometimes forget that she still remembers it all, where I block a lot of it out. If somebody asked me about high school, I don't remember I couldn't tell you what I did, couldn't tell you what I didn't do because two years of high school and then the two years after, about four years of that are just blank. I've accepted what happened and I just moved on from it and I don't think about it a lot, but I think she thinks about it more than I do and the thought that I could be going back, just like she just shut it down. So (laughs) all the anger. Did your parents know you went ice racing? Yes, (laughs) they did. Well, my parents were big into motorcycles when I was growing up, so I think they were a little better. And then I was going with my aunt and uncle, so I was doing it safely. (laughs) They also have learned, we've talked about it before, that my mental health at this point is a little bit more important than my physical health, and they have to accept that. And that's what I've accepted. So those types of things are what help my mental health. And so that's how I'm going to live my life. So we've had a few discussions about it. I know sometimes they wish I would just be bubble wrapped everywhere I went and didn't leave a box, but that's just not me. Right. The mental health component is side by side to the physical. And speaking of that mental health, we are going to talk about that next. But with that, let's take a quick break. 
Wow, I can't believe it's been one year. The support from everyone has been truly amazing. Due to reaching our one-year anniversary, you can now book one-hour sessions with myself, Bella Page. I offer help with understanding loved ones, finding your new normal, and finding specialists near you. Find the Work With Bella link in our episode description. I am looking forward to another great year. Welcome back to the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bella Page, and today's guest, Jamie Uretsky. So I wanted to get a little bit into mental health, but first I just wanted to ask if you had any tips for parents of concussion survivors. I would say that the biggest thing that I learned during the journey was that I had to accept what was happening. Hoping to reach milestones and wishing for them was not a good way to handle things and just accepting the fact that these things are not going to happen and I have to take care of what I have at hand on a daily basis, except the fact that she's not going to be playing soccer or hockey or running track. I'm not going to be socializing with my friends at those games. That That's over until she can return to play. And that was difficult, but very important for me. Yeah. And I really like that. I talked to a lot of people about that. I do one-on-one sessions with survivors and their family members and Something recently I was talking to a girl about was whatever decision and choice she made about going to school or not, she had to be able to accept that. And there wasn't a wrong choice. If she wanted to push harder and go to school, that was fine. And if she didn't, that was okay too, but not to beat yourself up about either choice. And acceptance is a huge part about a lot of this. It's really important when it comes to what's happened to you. A lot of people talk about going back to their old self. And it's a lot easier if you start thinking about creating a new you because trying to go backwards, you've changed as a person. That's what this injury does. No matter what, you're not going to be the same person. So trying to go backwards isn't going to help you, but trying to figure out who you are now can really help and accepting what's happened can really help. But it's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't even happen in a year for most people. Right. And you're absolutely right. You just, you have to accept that there's a new normalcy to your life. And that's what your normal is going to be for the foreseeable future. I mean, so I did that. I've never gone back to that old way of life. But as you know, you meet a lot of people on this journey who can impact your life in really wonderful ways. And that new normal is like what I call your adaptive lifestyle. You can have a happy, great lifestyle with symptoms. You just have to create an adaptive one that works for you. And we have a lot of tips on how to do that on the show. And it can take a while to figure out, but you can figure it out. And then things improve significantly after that. You're absolutely right. And so mental health, as everyone knows, is my favorite topic because it was my missing piece of my puzzle when going through this. So I'm just going to let you start with mental health, actually. Okay. So I do think that's a like you said, it's kind of an overlooked part of this injury. We're so concerned with the physical pain and various symptoms that go along with just the pain. For example, the sensitivity to noise, the sensitivity to light, the balance issues. There's a whole host of physical issues aside from the pain. And then there's the mental health issue. So as a 15-year-old athlete, my daughter was really, really competitive 
And all of a sudden now, nothing. And she was a very good student, very competitive in her schoolwork, now nothing. So I had read that depression was a very big problem with concussions because you lose what you know as your life. And at age 15, I mean, it's very difficult at any age, but at age 15, you're not really mature enough to understand that fully. So I looked for a therapist for her and I went back and forth between finding her a therapist for a teenager or a therapist for brain injury. And I decided on a therapist for brain injury because although she was a teenager, the problem is the brain injury. So I took her to one and she was fantastic. And she took me aside afterwards and she said, your daughter is extremely competitive. She's an athlete and you know that's sort of her identity and her competitiveness is not gone. Although she has a brain injury, she's still that competitive person and that competitive energy has to be put somewhere. It just doesn't go away. So you're going to have to figure out what to do with her to keep that competitive spirit alive. So what we did was we turned to advocacy and she became a concussion advocate herself all through her high school and college years. Yeah, I really love it. And I really like the perspective on it of putting that energy elsewhere. I think that was a lot of my problem, but a lot of my problem was I wouldn't give up on the sport <laughs> like at all, but I really didn't have any other plans. When you get told it's your career at 14, it's really hard to let go of that competitive energy does have to get put somewhere else. And actually one of my first guests told me a lot about that. And I told him about how being an athlete was a really big part of me. And I was having trouble still even then knowing what to do next. Who was I going to be now without that part of me? Who was I? My whole world was there. Paul Bosworth, which was episode four, told me, well, why don't you just be part of the concussion Olympics? You're going to create something that you can help so many people with and put all your energy into. And it's funny how that one conversation I had, I guess over a year ago now, kind of set me off in, yeah, I could do that. This is what I could do. I could really get into this and I could really help people. And now that's all I think about every day. And it's kind of crazy how much drive it can give you and how many hours you can put into it. Because I probably put like 60 to 100 every week I put into this into helping people. And yeah, you were a very, very high level competitive athlete. So that was not going away. So no, him telling you that was fantastic, because it changes the course of your energy. Mm -hmm. It did. In something very productive that, you know, you're really helping a lot of people. Yeah. And I would have been doing horses for 80 hours a day between riding and physical fitness and eating plans and all those types of things when you're high-level athletes. So now I put that into all of this and it's good to have that outlet because if you don't have it, all of that energy just kind of builds and my mental health just tanked all the time because I just felt like I couldn't do anything. I remember talking with my mom and I still have bad days. And when I do have really bad days, I had one a few months ago and I just told her, I was like, I'm kind of just done. And she's like, well, no, no, like you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> like, Arguing eventually like I'd be good, but I still get those moments where, okay, I'm in so much pain. I've pushed myself way too hard because I do that a lot still. And it can be really tough to get over that mental health part of it. But 
once you understand mental health a lot more, that really helped me. Like now I know I probably will have a few bad days this year, but that doesn't mean the rest of them are going to be bad like that. Right. And like you said, you have to leave your past in the past and focus on now what you can do. Yeah. Like I am not Bella the show jumper. I am Bella the concussion advocate. (laughs) And mental health, it's hard. I find, like you said, as a teenager, it's hard. I think that can be a really big problem because when you are a teenager, as most parents know and most people know, you're really stubborn. You don't really know where you're going because your life is kind of getting pulled in all the different directions. Your hormones are through the roof and you're going through all these changes and then you add a concussion in the mix. So it's a lot to go through. It certainly is. I know people ask me sometimes, you know, what was it like dealing with a teenager? I always say, you know what? I don't know because she did not have a normal teenage high school experience. She didn't do all the things that her friends did. So I didn't have that experience with her. And what is your daughter up to now? So since she got hurt, she graduated from high school, then she graduated from college. She was a neuroscience major, which was not something she would have considered before her injury. She got a master's degree and she works at the CTE Center at Boston University. I think that's amazing. And I love how she went into something related to concussions because I think that's how we get a lot of people in this field is that something either it happened to them or someone close to them. And it kind of sparks a light that gets them really interested in it. And then it helps so many people. Right. Absolutely. And she, as I told you, she put her energy into advocacy. So all through high school and college, she would go speak at businesses and at conferences. And she was looking for an internship while she was in college. And she went to college in Boston. She sent her resume and an email to someone at the CTE center and they had her come in and she said she wanted a tour. That was all she wanted was she wanted to go for a tour. So they had her come in and then they told her that she had the internship and she was like, what internship? So that's how it started. So she worked there part-time while she was in college, but it was because of that advocacy that someone had seen her speak and knew her story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing. And Everyone out there who is working towards this invisible illness, which we really don't know that much about yet, is making a huge difference. And so is there anything else you would like to add before we end today's episode? I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Mental health, the competitiveness, (laughs) the new normal. Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your special experience with post-concussion life. Thank you for having me. I really had a good time talking with you. Support the podcast. If you truly love the podcast, please consider supporting us through our tip jar. Find the support the podcast link in our episode description. All tips are greatly appreciated. Has your life been affected by concussions? Join our podcast by getting in touch. Thank you so much for listening to the Post-Concussion Podcast and be sure to help us educate the world about the reality of concussions by giving us a share. And to learn more, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.